This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. So why do seagulls live near the sea? Because if they live near the bay, they'd be bagels. Welcome to Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. So, spread your wings and get ready to fly on Wings and Things. Welcome to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. We're your hosts, Barbara Heidenreich from Good Bird Inc. and Robin Chuokas of the Leather Elves. Today's topic is exploring different forms of training and enrichment. Training should always be firmly based on positive reinforcement techniques, and enrichment should always be based on naturalistic behaviors, but the possibilities are endless. We'll be right back after these messages. Sitting on a branch overlooking the parking lot, the pigeons watched as a Mercedes pulled in below them. What do you think, one bird said to the other. Should we put a deposit on that car? Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. Today's topic is enrichment and training, Barbara, and we're talking about um, different ways you can do things. And I always tell people, you know, variety is the spice of life. There are just so many things that you can do with enrichment and, and really... Um, try to make things different. You mean it isn't just putting in a new toy every single day or week or month? It's not just about the toy anymore. Um, that That's so very important. I think we get stuck in that. Well, I did my enrichment job. I went to the pet store and I bought a new toy and I put it in, um, but that's not enough. It, it has to be more than that. Um, and, you know, people need to think, I, I think it, the phrase is think outside the cage. Ah. Ah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and what exactly does that mean, Robin? But don't let them go. Someone said to me once, you can't say that because it means you just want to let all the birds go. And that's not true. Well, it, that would be highly enriching. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you know, who? The person chasing the bird? <laughs> There's a lot of flight involved there. It's a good thing. But we all know that's not what our goal. Um, it's really about thinking, you know, I've said this a thousand times, about what the birds do in the wild and trying to relate your enrichment choices back to that. You know, there are so many different ways to go. It doesn't always have to be that tactile chewing sensation. Um, it can be dietary, it can be auditory, it can be olfactory, it can be visual, tactile is still important, and social enrichment is important as well. And when you say social, you mean like with other birds or other people, or what are you thinking? Well, with both. I mean, it's really important um, to think about these animals as a flock animal. You know, out in the wild, it's very infrequent that you find that lone bird. Um, there are very few birds that are solitary. And so, especially with parrots, they are so oriented to the flock that whether they're, you know, hopefully they're captive bred, but even, you know, if they're not, they're still flock animals, and you either need to fill that role yourself um, with your family or your, you, as an individual, or if you have other birds, you've created a flock in your home. So I guess, though, if your birds don't get along, it doesn't mean you have to put them together. Absolutely not. You know, it can be a matter of a visual every now and then. Um, if they're not in the same room, if they're in the same room, they don't have to be in the same cage. They can, you know, maybe see each other. If there's a real problem with aggressive behavior or, you know, things like that, then you can separate them, but you do need to fill that niche. I imagine the auditory stuff would be important with that situation, too. So if you have two birds that you know can hear each other, that might offer them something in terms of enrichment. Absolutely. The auditory, we talked with Michael Schindlinger, or I did before, and auditory is so very important. That's, that's their means of communication. That's the way in the wild these birds call over long, long distances. You know, we've talked about the whole screaming thing, and people are like, I want to stop that screaming. Well, you need to allow that, or you need to, to again, fill in that need. Um, and doing, you know, sounds, different sounds from different birds. It doesn't have to be the same bird. It can be a different species. It can be the same species. Um, you know, and a lot of times I hear, well, you know, then my bird won't talk. And, and you know, if I play, you know, same species vocalizations, they're happy with that, and then it won't learn to talk. Isn't that interesting? Because you think of African greys who are notorious for picking up other bird sounds, mm -hmm. but then they also, you know, talk in that little little robot voice and copy what people say too. Right, and the, so it's it's really not true. It's it's not something that you need to worry about. I mean, you're talking to your birds all the time, as well as providing this auditory enrichment. You're actually auditorily enriching them as well. So you know, you can you can pl um, sometimes play predator sounds for them, not you know, all day long. You don't want the hawk screaming in your bird room all day. But in small doses, you can play those kind of sounds for them. I don't know if we talked about this before, because at times when you and I have presented, um, the question of stress comes up and people um, react very strongly to that word. It definitely does. You know, I've had the big, oh, no, no stress at all comment, you know, and I've, and I've had other people that think it's okay. And the thing with stress is in small doses, it, it works to help with coping skills so that it's not when something out of the ordinary happens or when something major occurs in your bird's life that it's not you know a complete meltdown mm -hmm. um, it, it gives them some of those coping skills and you don't want to flood them with with um, a predator or with something that's stressful um, but in small doses and you know your bird you know I mean you know whether your um, companion can take it you know how much is too much and you can hear you can see in their reaction as well 
you know yeah, that whole body language thing well it's kind of like um i know we've done this at seminars too where we've had like a little laser pointer and shown it up on the ceiling mm-hmm. and you kind of watch to see if a bird reacts and most of the time most of them will tilt their head and look at it mm-hmm. so it probably creates a little level of concern of hey what's that but it's not the kind of thing where we've got a bird that's you know flapping around its cage really nervous and maybe that's kind of the difference in the levels it's that sort of little hey what was that is what you're aiming for right it, it just a, a, a passing glance maybe you know and I had Nikki out in the backyard the other day in a carrier. Nikki, your kayak. That's correct. <laughs> I thought everyone knew that. <laughs> but I had Nikki out, and, and he was in a carrier, and he was hanging out, and he had a little bowl of food, and he was eating, and um, all of a sudden he stopped, did the head tilt, and I saw, I'm like, what's he looking at, you know? And he was looking out one of the little holes in the side of the carrier, and I looked up, and there was a hawk circling. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki's never seen a hawk before. Um, but it was still that, oh, wait a minute, what's that? You know, mm-hmm. that ex- exploration. And, you know, he didn't melt down. He's still okay. Um, but there was a little stress in his life for a few minutes. Yeah, um, just a little bit. And that was a, that was a visual stressor, you know, mm-hmm. which visual enrichment is so important, too. I think sometimes we forget. You know, we give them the toy. We give them the, the tangible. But that visual stimuli is so important, too. Well, people don't know this yet because I haven't told anybody, but I have a new cockatiel in my house, my friend Banana Puddin. Banana Puddin. <laughs> and Banana Puddin, his, uh, his cage is right by my computer where I work, which is also by a window. And so when I'm working, I let him out, and he runs around, and one of his favorite places to sit is on the windowsill. Mm-hmm. And he's got lots of options. I mean, he can go all over the place, lots of things to chew on and play with. But he loves looking out the window. He just, he'll watch all sorts of activity out there. Yeah, it's all about the view. I mean, these aren't, you know, these birds are so stimulated the in TV the TV show? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> no, we're not plugging other shows on oh, our show. Okay. Come on. But, you know, it's it's so important. When you think about where they come from in the wild, these animals are in such a visually stimulating environment. Um, you need to give them some of that, you know. The walls in your apartment, you know, I mean, personally, my walls are burgundy in some places, and so that's a little stimulating. But, um, you know, a lot of times people have the plain white walls. You know, maybe you live in an apartment and you're not allowed to paint or whatever. It's your preference. Um, but you need to give them that visual stimulation more than just you know, the walls outside the cage. Yeah, and something else I've tried is um, he has a number of, of toys, and I kind of rotate them, but I also change where I, where I put the toys. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so important. It be, so it, it doesn't become cage furniture. That's the term that I like to use for it. You know, it's think about if you everything stayed exactly in the same place in your, your environment all the time. It would get boring, you know, and, and you have no control over where things move. If you didn't get to change anything, you know, if you decided you wanted a chair someplace else, but you couldn't lift it or you couldn't move it, um, that's the same thing as everything staying in the same place. Um, as far as the visuals concerned, too, I had, um, I was doing a workshop and a young lady said um, that she had seen posters that you could hang outside the cage. Um, and would that be scary? You know, if it were this big Amazon in a tree, would it be terrifying to your bird in the cage because they didn't have anywhere to go? And I think that brought up a really important point that if you do visual stimuli or you do auditory stimuli and enrichment that are um, slightly stressful, you want to make sure that the bird has an out, that they can get away from it yeah, if they want. Yeah, definitely. And actually, I just thought of another thing that banana pudding really likes. Well, I, I, I don't know if I can say he likes it, but he certainly reacts to it. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll um, climb onto my keyboard on my computer, and I'll try to keep working. And what happens is if I'm, like, say, on the Internet and I'm clicking away and it's changing 
the scene mm-hmm. on the internet, he'll respond to it. He'll actually like look up and kind of stand up tall and look at it. And then when I push the button and it clicks to another scene, he'll like jerk up again. So I don't know exactly what he's seeing visually because you know they say that they have a different. Um, uh, you know the flicker rates and all that right. kind of stuff with the, with the computers and TVs and whatnot, but he absolutely responds to the change of what's going on on the screen. There, it, it it doesn't. I don't. I don't see it as something that he's finding as an extreme aversive because he could absolutely go away if he wants to. Right. But he stands there and he looks at it and puts his little crust up like, "Hey, what's that? It changed right in front of my face." So we're going to change his name from Banana Pudding to like Banana Gates or something. Yeah. He's all about the computer. <laughs> that's um, right. Sorry, all you Mac people. <laughs> oh, that's true. Um, but you know, there are so many different forms and and. One of them that comes up a lot is, is olfactory, you know, and I think we've, we've discussed this before that people say, well, parrots don't have, you know, there isn't any need for doing scent enrichment with them because they have such tiny scent receptors. Um, my feeling is when you think about some of the scents that your parrots have, I know you have an Amazon, and, and I'm sure that Tara has a scent. Absolutely. I always talk about how, to me, the the smell of Amazon sort of is like, you know, mom's apple pie. It means love because my Amazon is usually very close to my face and printing my eyebrows and eyelashes. And you can smell that scent that seems to come like through the nares, sort of in the mm-hmm. respiratory system. And I just associate that smell with, with good stuff for me. Right. And so ha- them having that scent, there's got to be a reason for it. You know, it, it may be to... You know, let people know that other people, other birds know that there are other animals in the wild. But, you know, why take that chance that you're missing a whole type of enrichment that you could be doing with your bird? So offering olfactory, not overwhelming. I mean, we all know how, how sensitive they are to different scent, to, you know, yeah. scents in the air and things in the air. So you just need to be careful that you're not overwhelming them. Yeah, and you can always check with your vet if you're worried about something not being safe. Actually, we, I think today, today Robin and I taught a seminar and People talked about things like um, boiling cinnamon sticks. Which I thought was a great idea, using natural oil, the oils that are in um, plants and things like that, um, boiling them like a potpourri almost, Um, but just knowing what's going in there versus purchasing something or purchasing an oil to use. Oh, I think they said like uh, orange peels too, you know, very natural things. things. Yeah, things that are, you know, safe and and, uh, safe for you, safe for your bird. Right, right. But yeah, I, I agree. That thing with the scent, even if... I mean, you know, there may be more information out there that some veterinarians could share with us, but um, even if parrots only are receptive to very few scents, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe Amazons can only smell that scent that an Amazon releases. I I don't know. I'd have to ask the professionals on that. But but it is interesting that, you know, and other species as well, macaws certainly have a certain odor to them. Um, It's interesting that it exists. Right. Right. There there has to be a reason for it, is my feeling. So how do you mix it up and make sure that there's lots of different stuff going on in your bird's enriching world? Well, it can get overwhelming. You know, you're working or you're you're busy with your family and, and you're like, okay, oh, well, I didn't do, you know, olfactory enrichment this week. It's not a crisis, okay? What I suggest... It, it, I feel like going, enrichment crisis, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> it's a dangerous thing. Don't let it happen to you. Um, but, you know, my suggestion is create a calendar. It's not, you know, something that you have to follow. It's not a hard, fast rule. But do a calendar. And it doesn't have to be specific things that you're going to offer. But maybe you say, you know, on Monday I'm going to try to put in a different dietary enrichment, a different, you know, do some foraging stuff. On Tuesday I'm going to do auditory enrichment. And just do it that way and mix it up so that you're not always falling back on the easy ones. 
they're all pretty basic. Some, you know, you get the bigger response from. This happens a lot, you know, when I'm working with people in zoos and stuff, they put in that, that enrichment thing that gets the, what I call like the fireworks response. It doesn't always have to be like that. It can be something as simple as avoiding something in their cage. Um, so you just want to, you know, make a little calendar for yourself and, and try to, um, you know, try to stick to it if you can. I like saving, like uh, my dog Waylon, um, my my 10-month-old puppy Waylon, he has a favorite toy that's this little ball that vibrates, mm-hmm. and he, he just goes nuts when he gets to play with that. He'll just roll around and make this little howling noise and take it out in the yard and just sit there with it next to him. But if he gets it too often, it sort of loses that value. It absolutely so. does, and I call that the favorites trap, you know, that people fall into the fav- favorites trap. You give the same thing over and over again, and it gets boring, you know. It's like if you could have anything you wanted and somebody said you can have the same thing every single day and it went on for months and months, you wouldn't want it eventually. You know, things sim- as simple as taking your bird out of the cage and moving around the house with it, you know, having it with you at, in different places, that's enriching. It's it's a change of scenery, you know. It's also good for training. You know, I, I actually have been doing that a bunch with banana pudding because I want him to be comfortable with lots of different environments mm-hmm. and um and so he's he's fairly adaptive to new situations. Basically, we're sort of generalizing his behaviors sure. to new environments. So, I like and that. It, which you know brings us to the point that um, the training is a great form of enrichment. Um, it is. Maybe we should save that for after the break. I think we should. All right. Well, let's take a little break. Stay perched. Wings and things will be soaring back right after these messages. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photoprop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. We're your hosts, Barbara Heidenreich and Robin Chiwokis. Well, we're back talking about variety and different things you can do for enrichment, and we also want to talk about different things you can do with training. I think people get stuck in training ruts, too, to be mm-hmm. quite honest. You see that behavior, and, oh, I'm going to do that, and it's the common ones that you see because mm-hmm. you know people get, oh, I saw that, I want to do that, and I want to train that. But you need to be creative. Yeah, and I think um, you know we're really at the beginning of positive reinforcement training, really getting out to companion parrot owners. Um, we've seen it pretty prevalent in the dog training community, but it's still still kind of new for mm-hmm. parrot owners. And a lot of times, uh, a lot of people are teaching are simple behaviors, myself included. I usually start with targeting, 
because people are just getting started. We want you to have good success with your birds. And then another easy one is like a wave mm, or a turn, turnaround. Turnaround, the big old favorite. Nikki's got the turnaround down. I'm very <laughs> excited. Hey, but your son, who's 12. He's 12 years old, and he can do the turnaround. He's he's very, he gets all excited. Look, I had him, you know, he did this for me. He did that for me. And the turnaround he's had the most success with. So, Which is great, right? Because we want your son and everyone else to stay excited and interested in training. And if they have success right away, that's that's awesome. So, so those behaviors are great ones to do, and a lot of times people like to label things like waves and turnarounds trick training. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's just another behavior, um, but people think it's it's trick. It's you know it's a cutesy thing, but right. but in fact, it does serve a great purpose of helping you get started in training, teaches your bird how to learn, and also helps you have a nice relationship with your parrot. It definitely does, and I think too, the learning how to learn is so important. You know, it's this is a, an animal that maybe hasn't been trained to do anything when you get it. And you, you want to know, you know, okay, this is the best way for, that my bird learns. This is the best technique. This is a great reinforcer, things like that. Plus, it's enriching, right? Because they're trying to figure out, well, what does that person want me to do? What do I need to do to earn that reinforcer? Is it this? Is it that? And and a simple behavior like, like a retrieve or the wave or the turnaround are great ways to get that going. And you're spending time, which is meeting that social need. You know, when you're doing training, you have to be there. That's true. Yeah. Okay, there you so, go. So you're, you're feeling that social need at the same time. Ooh, virtual training. Ooh. That might happen soon. Look out. That's, that we're we're going to come out with that next. Yeah, that's, that's our next product. <laughs> Ooh. A lot of times, too, when we talk about dog training, people think of obedience training. And I'm not a big fan of the word obedience because it makes it sound like your animal has to comply. When, in fact, positive reinforcement training is really about teaching your bird that it has choices. And if it makes certain choices, good things will happen. So hopefully it'll do those behaviors more often. But I tend to think of behaviors like step up, um, go back into your cage, mm-hmm. uh, maybe sit calmly on a perch when you remove the food bowls. Those might be what we would call obedience behaviors. Well, there, I think, you know, there are things that make parrot ownership easier for you and your bird. Yeah. You know, it removes that kind of power struggle piece um, yeah. and, it, and it makes it a positive environment for both of you. Yeah, and it's just about reinforcement, but I think those are really important behaviors to to get under your belt and have in your repertoire with your bird, because then you're not going to be going, oh, I can't get my bird off my shoulder. I have to do this little dance where I'm, you know, rolling around and I can't get the bird off my shoulder. But if you trained him to step up for positive reinforcement, you can teach him to come off your shoulder when you ask. You can teach him to go back into the cage. You can teach him that staying on his play stand is a great place to be. Mm -hmm. Um, If you've got a flighted bird that's constantly flying to you because he loves your attention, with positive reinforcement training, you can teach him to go back to his cage when you ask him and stay there for a little while and do something else, like play with one of his cool new enrichment toys. <laughs> so those behaviors are great things to get under your belt as well. And then a, a lot of people who come to my seminars, um, they always get to experience all the... Uh, the medical behaviors that I like to share with everybody. A really um, cool kind of new thing in training parrots is to train them to cooperate in their own medical care. And um, one behavior that a lot of folks um, have gotten under their belt and is probably more prevalent is training your bird to be comfortable with a towel. Mm-hmm. And Which is so important, you know, because that can turn into a really negative situation really quickly. Yeah. Um, I, I know we've talked about before um, my having taken, taken Nikki to the vet. Um, and it was, you know, he had never been toweled before. I hadn't done that because I wasn't anticipating that it was going to have to happen when we went. Um, and it occurred in a, in a really quick manner. And um, it, it could have turned into a very negative, um, long-lasting 
kind of reaction from him. So if you can do it ahead of time, by all means. And they can. You know, it's really a pretty simple behavior in, in many regards, especially if your parrot doesn't have a history with towels. If you start off on the right foot and pairing some good positive reinforcers with, with being around towels or having your bird, you know, follow a target to walk over a towel, gets lots of, you know, maybe if he likes cuddles and head scratches, he gets that while he's around a towel. All those things can be a great way to get your bird comfortable with that. And that's a pretty, you know, in my opinion, that one's not so challenging to get to. Some people have a little harder time with things like nail trims, but again, it's um, it's not as challenging as people might think. And in fact, it's one of my my great joys is that I get I get lots of emails and um, letters from folks who have tried this stuff at mm-hmm. home after watching my DVDs or reading an article in the magazine, a success story from another reader or something, and they go, "Hey, wait a minute." that person was able to do it I can do that and they try it it's like when that light goes on that moment when the light bulb comes on that yes this really works you know and I get that with people on enrichment too they'll say oh I tried this and my bird loved it and I had never thought of that before and you know and it's just changing things doing the little different things and it's the same with training you know I mean I remember um being in Houston and there was a it wasn't with parrots it was with um with a mammal and it was with tigers and um, the young lady was working training um, to do a blood draw and she was t- we talked about it and you, um, Barb was there and we, we all um, talked about it and when she got it done she was like it does work and, and it wasn't a big stressful thing mm-hmm. and it's you know it's just going through those steps and, and trying um, different things trying you know training something new and if it doesn't work the first time Think of another strategy. You might have been on a bad path there. You know, sometimes we've talked about it before that typically a, a novice mistake is to try and take too big of a step. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to take real tiny approximations. And if your bird has had bad experience with nail trimming, then you might have to take some really tiny, tiny steps. Um, but, you know, that's a behavior that, that I've actually been able to train in just a couple training sessions, two 20-minute sessions. So I think sometimes we're a little apprehensive to jump into that one. Mm-hmm. We think it's too difficult. But, you know, in brief, an easy way is just to train your bird when he goes to step up on your hand is the moment that his little foot hits your hand you bridge and you reinforce so he learns all he has to do is put his foot on your hand he Mm -hmm. doesn't have to step up all the way and then start getting him um, comfortable with you touching his toes and manipulating his feet but you know continuing to reinforce him during that and you start gradually introducing the nail clippers and um, and again in tiny approximations and I'm always careful just to take off the very very tip so that it doesn't doesn't cause any pain or bleeding and um, you'd be surprised how how easy it really can be to Mm -hmm. to get that behavior so so definitely training medical behavior well what I call medical behaviors you know getting on a scale is a great behavior to train and your veterinarian is going to appreciate it if he's he or she gets to see a nice long comprehensive history of weights on your bird and for you if your bird is ever um, uh, dropping weight it'll be a signal to you mm-hmm. that hey maybe something's up with my bird he's not showing symptoms but he had a big old drop in weight so. and you don't have to count on that oh he looks a little bit thinner today oh he looks a little heavy yeah. you know I mean because and people you get stuck in that oh I know my bird I know you know how he looks and what he what he what size he's supposed to be if you can get those weights it's so much better for you know for the bird and and it makes life easier for your vet as well yeah no and it's not that hard of a behavior to train if 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 your bird knows how to target which is a, another simple behavior to, tr- behavior to train. Um, you can use that to have your bird walk across a flat scale, or you can get a scale that has a perch on it or put a perch on it. And it, for your bird, it's just like stepping onto any other perch. You just you may have to watch his body language and make sure he's comfortable with it and take it in steps. Um, but it's a real easy way to get a weight on them. Just make sure their tail isn't hitting anything and 
making that weight funky. Yeah, because we all know you leave that foot off and you weigh less. Yeah, <laughs> I try to every time I weigh. <laughs> Um, some other uh, training that's going on out there is um, a lot of people nowadays are starting to have flighted birds. And so um, training flighted birds can be a whole other challenge because now you've got a bird that can go anywhere he wants in right. your house. <laughs> Behind the bookcase, yeah. those kind of things. It does happen. On yeah. the computer, destroy the computer. In the middle of something important. Yeah. Yep, fly on your head while you're, you know, talking with your husband or mm-hmm. something like that, you know, all that stuff. So um, working with a flighted bird is another type of uh, training challenge that people are getting into these days. And, and so, again, you know, that might mean things like training a strong recall, mm-hmm. training a, a cue that means go to another perch, any perch I ask you to. nice thing to train with a flighted bird is to teach them to um, poop over newspaper. So you can have perches with newspaper underneath them around your house, and, and when you see he's getting ready to poop, you give him a cue, and he flies over there and poops on the newspaper. There you go. That's kind of nice. And and the other thing is flight is very um, enriching as well. I mean, obviously that's a behavior that we see in the wild, mm-hmm. you know. And if you can, if it's manageable for you and you're comfortable with your abilities and with your bird's abilities, then flight is a great exercise and it, it is a great form of enrichment. Yeah. Another thing we we tend to do is um, in shows, which is a great thing to carry over into uh, the home situation, is you can train flight patterns. Like you can train a bird to loop on cue, go in a, fly in a circle on cue, or fly through a hoop or something mm-hmm. like that you know all those kind of things and of course you can also take all those trick behaviors that you trained and modify them for flight so um, if you've taught your bird to retrieve or play basketball put a ball or something someplace you can modify that into flying to a person and taking something from that person and bringing it back or um, taking an object from you and putting it someplace else um, you know that classic dollar bill trick that everybody's seen in bird shows is basically a retrieve right right so. and I and some of the other trick training that we talked about you know that you had mentioned, um, you can put those together and and think of how impressed your friends and neighbors and relatives (laughs) will be when you show them how how intelligent your bird is and how wonderful. Speaking of intelligent, one of my favorite things is to um, uh, teach behaviors that involve a little problem solving, Mm -hmm. which ties in a lot with foraging toys. Oh, absolutely. And when you think about, you know, all the decisions and all the, the puzzles, if you will, that they do have to figure out in the wild, you know, it's not... The food doesn't come in little packages, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's not um, cut up in nice pieces. They may have to figure out where it is and go go foraging for it, or they may need to open something to get at it, yeah. you know. And those kind of things can be trained. Absolutely, you know. A lot of people have probably seen the the video clip of the Caledonian crows, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. They were um, there's a little research project on them and tool use and how they would take wires and bend them themselves to dip it into a tube where there was a worm or maggot basically mm-hmm. down at the bottom or grub hair there, there, there we go, go. Nice that's better word yes, grub grub um, to get the grub out and um, that's a little problem solving on the, on the part of the crow and we know that parrots are very intelligent mm-hmm. as well so um, uh, they can get pretty creative in their ways of getting um, what they want I to. did see a cockatoo at the Houston Zoo that would use a cup it was mm-hmm. a little tiny, you know, it could have been a nutshell or mm-hmm. something like that, but to scoop up water. Um, I, yeah, I saw a Moluccan, he used to take a bead, and mm-hmm. he would dip the bead in water and then throw it back as, you know, throw the water down his throat. Like it was <laughs> a little, one back. Yeah, there was a little shot of water from the bead. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of different... Um, uh, things that you can train your parrot to do, and you can get creative there too. Another one that's pretty fun is um, discrimination mm-hmm. training. So, like teaching your bird to respond to certain colors or shapes and things like that. Those are always those are fun challenges for trainers as well, mm-hmm. because um, one one thing that you can do to test yourself 
is say you train your parrot to pick up the color red when you say the word red, you know, like a, a piece of wood or something that's colored red. And then you might um, put other colors out there that are same shape but different color and you have to be careful to only reinforce him for picking up red if he offers anything else then then you don't reinforce and then you test yourself by changing it up mm -hmm. and now you're going to teach him a different color and then after he gets that color so color solid then you put both of those together and and make sure he picks the right one up on the right cue so mm -hmm. that's a good challenge for for people who are feeling a little more advanced in their training and want to test their skills that is the there's another um interesting training that you can do with um i've done it with a crow not with a parrot um but object permanence you know if you hide an object will they know that it's still there and will they go after it um, and that's just a matter of training you know that okay lift this or, or move that and see where things are yeah there's a lot more creativity that can be done beyond the wave and the turnaround and the right. target and the step up and I think sometimes because we still are kind of in the beginning mm -hmm. of getting used to positive reinforcement training in the parrot world we tend to for, you know not think about what's beyond right right and yeah. there's so many you know different opportunities and here here's a cool one um, uh, this, this I don't know that it's officially been taken very far, but there was a group for a while that was really talking about training parrots to do agility the way that we train dogs. No, that only works with dogs. I'm sorry. <laughs> only dogs. But I, I don't know that they got, um, they got things kind of rolling, but I don't know that they ever kept it going. But I thought it was a really cool idea. Um, it, it hasn't taken off yet, but maybe as more people become better trainers, they're going to look for bigger challenges. Mm -hmm. And these folks were thinking of different behaviors that could be part of sort of an agility competition. And, and what was really cool about it, I thought, was that their hope was that it would get people more excited about positive mm -hmm. reinforcement training and help this virus spread because I think it's a, go. it's a good virus. <laughs> oh, it absolutely is. And I think that goes back to the chaining things together, you know, putting the tricks that, you, that you've already got. Maybe you figure out a way to turn them into an agility thing because mm -hmm. some of the behaviors, you're just asking for that wave, but it may be a wave and you're stepping over something or, you know, or your bird stepping over something. Yeah, you, you do bring up a good point there. Chaining um, behaviors is, is another um, another element of training that's above and beyond what um, you know some of these simple behaviors and so again the, it's I guess the point is that there's there's just endless things you can do as far as training when and same with enrichment there's just so many options yeah so we're really just at the beginning right of it's, discovering all these possibilities it's a matter of creativity yes it is so I guess um that probably covers our topic for it this does. show <laughs> it was a big one I, yeah, I think it was so should we talk about some upcoming events? Sure. Um, for me, the next uh, thing that's coming up is September 6th and 7th. Um, Florida West Coast Avian Society is presenting their first annual Sarasota Parrot Symposium, and their topic this year is Educating Humans About Parrots. I'm going to be speaking on Enriching Your Parrot's Lives. Um, Sally Blanchard will be speaking, and Dr. Teresa Lightfoot. And then September 14th, the Connecticut Parrot Society is presenting their second annual Feather Fest. Um, I won't be speaking, but I'll be participating in that. It's in Cromwell, Connecticut. And I know they're going to have some speakers. Susan Chamberlain is speaking. Um, they're having a raptor presentation there as well. Ooh, raptors. Yay. Let's see. September 27th, I'll be in Las Vegas teaching a parrot behavior and training workshop. And you can find more information about that at lvbirdrescue.com. Then on October 3rd through 5th, that would be the Parrot Behavior and Learning for Veterinary Professionals in Denver, Colorado. This is at the Gabriel Foundation. I'll be speaking. Susan Friedman, um, Dr. Jerry Labondi, and Dr. Lori Hess will be there. 
And on October 11th, I'll be at the Long Island Parrot Society at their Parrot Expo 2008. It's a great event. It's from 9 to 5. They have vendors, and again, I'll be speaking about enrichment. And then November 1st, I'll be in Shreveport, Louisiana, teaching a parrot behavior and training workshop. You can find more information at acbc.net. And then in November, on the 8th and the 9th, it's our Parrot Training and Enrichment Weekend in Austin, Texas. Woohoo! Yee-hee! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Yeah, yee is appropriate. So come on down and kick up your heels in Texas. <laughs> and then uh, um, we're going to go into some of our events for 2009 that are already on the calendar. I'll be in Connecticut teaching a, a day-long seminar on flight training, and that's going to be on March 28th. And then April 18th and 19th, I'll be in Toronto, Canada with Susan Friedman. And uh, we're going to be doing, a, I believe it's a two-day seminar there on, on uh, some, some new stuff that we haven't presented on before. For more information, you can go to parrotworkshops.org for that one. And then in May of 2009, I'm going to be heading over to Europe, and I'll have some more detail on those events coming up soon. And then um, keep it on the calendar, May 29th through the 31st, we're doing the Best Parrot Conference in Edison, New Jersey, and you can check out bestparrotconference.com for more information and to register. One of the sites we'd like to tell you about is the um, Fort Worth Zoo. They have a great enrichment site. It's www.enrichmentonline.org. And then for some recommended resources about training, uh, there's a nice book called The Click That Does the Trick um, by Robin Deutsch, I believe is how you say her, her last name. And you can find that on Karen Pryor's site at clickertraining.com. And then there are some nice Yahoo groups about positive reinforcement training. Um, one is uh, groups.yahoo.com back, backslash group backslash clickbirds <laughs> and then the other one is all that same stuff in the front except you end it with bird click and one of those is operated by linda morrow who's a, a very well-known um, positive reinforcement trainer down here in florida so you want to check that one out okay and the enrichment tip of the week when you do make your calendar remember that it's a guideline it's not a rule um, don't let it take the spontaneity out of your interactions with your parrot um, it's there for that day when you come home and you're in a rut or you had a bad day and your bird or your birds in a rut it's not when you feel inspired um, that's not when you need to look at it so just you know when you're inspired try something really different Sounds good. My training tip of the week is about free shaping, which is not something I've talked about before, but a lot of times we're using a target or we're showing an animal a prop to try and get them to do something. But with free shaping, what you do is you just watch your animal, and when he does something, uh, an approximation, you, if it's just by accident, in the direction of you want, you bridge and you reinforce. So say, for example, if I wanted my parrot to, um, who was on a table to walk over and touch, uh, I don't know, a bottle that was sitting on the table, he can wander wherever he wants on that table, but the moment he takes a step in the direction I want, I would bridge and reinforce. And what would happen is if he takes enough steps by accident in the right direction, he'll start to make the connection. Ah, I'm supposed to go this way. So you're really removing any kind of prompts or lures to get him to do the behavior, just what we call free shaping it. So give it a try. It's kind yeah, of fun to play like fun. with. Yeah. So we're just about out of time. Some upcoming topics that we're working on are what to do with a new bird, um, reading body language, baby parrots, and biting and aggression. And if you have some suggestions for a show topic, feel free to contact us at robin at petliferadio.com and barbara at petliferadio.com. And as usual, if you'd like transcripts of this show, please visit www.petliferadio.com. All right, that's it for us. See you next time. Bye-bye. Join us every week on Wings and Things and get a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about pet birds and how to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com.